Lemonada. Hey there, Prod Crushers. You're tuning in today for a very special bonus episode. Um, what was that? That was like a that was a little bit of Conan O'Brien <laughs> yeah, doing like a bad. <laughs> it was an impression of Conan O'Brien doing an impression of him as a teen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, um, let's just let's just pontificate in a moment for how nice it was when we had Conan. Oh, so nice. Um, that's not today, though. Bring we don't, him have, back. Any, Bring we him don't back. have any. We got no Conan. We're just talking about boning. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it's my show. We're talking about David in the background is like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're we're talking we're talking about my show. You. Uh, this is a bonus episode of where we're recapping part two. Full of spoilers. Full of same warner. Same warner. Same warning as last time. If you have not watched part two, do not listen to this episode yet. This is Podcrushed. The podcast that takes the sting out of rejection, one crushing middle school story at a time. And where guests share their teenage memories, both meaningful and mortifying. And we're your hosts. I'm Nava, a former middle school director. I'm Sophie, a former fifth grade teacher. And I'm Penn, a middle school dropout. Welcome to the dough, where Cash is queen and we hardly know her, but we're still here figuring her out together. Because y'all, season two is here, okay? Hosted every week by me, X Maya. Remember, I'm going to be talking to all types of people about their relationship to money. Reality stars, entrepreneurs, financial experts, and even some of my own friends. Basically, anyone who will get real with me about their dollars. How they make money, how they spend it, and how they save it. Because I'm trying to retire early, people. Season 2 of The Dough is out on March 21st, wherever you get your podcasts. Join us on Archetypes, a dynamic podcast hosted by Megan, the Duchess of Sussex, as she digs into the labels that try to hold women back. In each intimate and candid conversation, Megan is joined by guests like Serena Williams, Mariah Carey, Paris Hilton, Issa Rae, and Trevor Noah as they delve into the roots of countless common descriptors of women, like diva, crazy, dumb blonde, and the B word, and redefine and reclaim each identity along the way. The complete season of Archetypes is out now wherever you get your podcasts. We're bringing you another special episode of Pod Crushed, where we break down part two of season four of You. I'm so excited. I have truly been waiting for this moment with bated breath. Me too. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah, I can't wait. We talked about this when we debriefed part one, mm. but for Nava and I, part two is... What was I the mean, word? Juicy. 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 Nava, one of Nava's favorite Bite descriptors right in terms it. of television. Nava, that's her favorite word to use, and also she says mm-hmm. it. It's like it's onomatopoeia. Juicy. Yeah. 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 It doesn't have I the love same connotations for... Juicy. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. And it, that's clear. Yeah. It doesn't have the same connotation for me. I, when you mm. say that, I'm not like, yes, I'm like... <laughs> what, it, what would make it juicy for you? Like, it's yeah, intellectually right. enlightening. <laughs> <laughs> it makes my frontal cortex expand. Uh, friend, yeah, that's... Um, <laughs> yeah. All of this is yeah. so sexual. Oh. Uh, uh, I didn't even think that, but you're right. Yeah, what would it be Stimulate, for me? I don't know. Expand. I don't know. Pass. <laughs> that's what this whole thing is going to be. Pass. Yeah, okay. Oh, that's a good guy. Pass. Well, Penn, maybe mm-hmm. we can get into it. Yeah. When we filmed an episode... About you, our first episode that went up on YouTube, you described season four in one word. Oh, right. Nope. Well, I was, yes, I was forced to, though. Yeah. And, and I don't know that it can be done, and I don't know that I did a great job, but yes, I said nope. 
Well, can you break that down for us? What did you mean when you said nope? I think because every time you think you know where it's going and what it's really trying to say, you're like, oh, no, that wasn't it. You 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 think in the beginning mm-hmm. of the season probably that the whole question is going to be who's doing the killing. Yeah. Well, by episode five, we know who's doing the killing. Mm-hmm. Um, or do we? Do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so My frontal then, cortex just shrank back. Yeah. <laughs> In episode six, Phoebe gets kidnapped by her stalker. Yes. Yes. And taken up to the hotel oh, that's room. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So episode seven, by the end of episode seven, mm-hmm. you know that Reese isn't that that Reese is dead. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that Reese is not Reese. That's yes. so. So and that's and that's like the, that's like the second reveal that everybody thinks the, the part two is about. Mm-hmm. So you got you got three more episodes oh, left. So, much. Mm-hmm. so that so that was really what I meant. It was just like it was just like nope nope that's not it nope that's not it. Interesting. You know, and then by the end, it's just like, where's yeah. this where's this gonna go? I thought the nope meant you think Joe's gonna change. Nope. That too. Mm. Yeah. That's that's probably better. Comment below whose nope is better, pens or Navas. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, like for pen, subscribe for Nava. Yeah. Both for yeah. Sophie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that when I watched uh, episode seven, I was the last one out of the three of us to watch part two, and um, I was texting you guys. I was texting our group chat, like live tweeting, basically mm-hmm. as I was watching. I was like, oh my god! I didn't and, see any of those. So. Yeah. <laughs> you can scroll back. He's he, back. he gets them three days later. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and uh, when Reese is killed and then his hallucination of Reese pops up, I was like, oh, he has a twin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so good. Oh, I'm so glad that really was your funny. reaction. Yeah. I'm so glad. It was funny because I she was like, oh, my God, best plot twist ever. And I was like, <laughs> I said something that gave it away. Yeah. And I saw it coming in episode five. And Sophie was like, you knew he had a twin? No, I said, you knew there were two of them? Yeah, you said you knew there were two of them. So then I was like, oh, I think you're not as far along as I think. I was. You mean developmentally? <laughs> no, no. Then at the at the very last second, he says, "Reese did know her, or Reese didn't know her, and we do have her in a cage." Then I realized, like, oh, okay, he's part of Joe, not yeah. part of Reese. But there was this one second yeah. where I was like, "Oh my god, this wasn't it's what I expected." Twin. Yeah, right, right. So, as you just mentioned, Penn, there are a ton of plot twists, and I watched it a second time. And as I was watching the second time, I was like, wow, they really left a lot of breadcrumbs. My favorite one, I'll say at the end, there's like a very, very obvious one. But I thought it'd be fun to just go over some of the breadcrumbs, Mm. like the clues that they gave to the twist. So the first clue, I don't know if this is in order, but the first clue that I thought of was that they showed a shot of the condemned bomb shelter. And we should be thinking, like, why would they show a shot of a condemned bomb shelter unless it's going to be the place where the cage will live. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. when Joe's walking with Kate and mm-hmm. he mentioned, yeah, you know, tour. it's funny, when you just said breadcrumbs, I was like, I'm not sure about any of these breadcrumbs. I don't, <laughs> I don't recall any breadcrumbs. There's so but, many. Yes, but yeah, yeah, I'm really interested to hear what they are. But yeah, I think that was where, look, the whole time we were shooting, I always trust the the, the writers and producers implicitly, like they know how to make this thing and they know how to make it, they know how to make it work. So it's like, you don't let me get in. That was also why I waited until season four to direct. I was like, don't let me get in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't let me get in there. I'm going to try. Mm-hmm. No, no, don't. Um, so, yeah. So along the way, I was like, is that going to, is that, how are we, how are we going to give a nod to the bomb shelter and not have mm-hmm. it feel like what's in the bomb shelter, <laughs> yeah. you know, but yeah. It's it just, subtle enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And then we noticed that Reese's monologues kind of mirrored a lot of Joe's inner monologue and his voiceover tone. Yeah. Tone. 
Yeah, yeah, a lot of his monologues are the same as the same tone as yours. Oh, you mean when he's alive? When he's alive and he's <clears throat> giving monologues. To Joe, though. To Joe. They yeah. match Joe. I noticed that the second time, too. I was like, oh, they really had him mirror Joe's tone. So that must kind of almost had to play like three different people in yeah. a way. He had to play Reese, but not that much, like the real Reese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then he had to play the Reese that's getting to know Joe who has to seem like a real person mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Right? Who's like kind of... Congenial, or yeah, have we been through this before? What's the difference between between genial and congenial? Have, is this this is I never. <laughs> We've not been through yeah. this. Okay, congenial we, was the right one. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and then and then he's like the Reese that is like, now you know I'm not real. Now I'm yeah. gonna be really crazy. <laughs> I feel like his accent changes too. I am really curious how he thought about that. I do know because I was there that he was never positive. No, I don't think anybody could be. I think it's like you're always, you're finding that. I was never positive. I don't think the directors were positive. Um, and, he, and, you know, the writers in L.A. were just like, just keep going. Yep, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just keep in. going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. So, yeah, that was um, a very tricky line to walk with. Ed. I think in particular Ed's Ed's monologues because he has so many. He really does have a lot of them. Mm-hmm. He's talking so much that you have to start wondering, like, yeah, yeah, it's Who's true. This guy. <laughs> it only happened once, so I don't know if this is a breadcrumb or not. But the first time that Reese and Joe come together in person is right after Joe and Kate have boinked. Is how I wrote it. Boinked. I don't know why. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I yeah, laughed. You might want to talk to the writer. And yeah, just... yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should be in that writers' room, guys. Hire yeah. me. The first time that Reese is waiting for Joe in Joe's apartment, and we don't even know how Reese got in, Reese is wearing the same outfit as Joe, and I think that that's a breadcrumb. And mm-hmm. it's the only time, but they're wearing the same outfit. It surely, shout out to Sam Perry, uh, who handled costume. That was a particularly tricky scene, I think, uh, because at that point, you know, I mean, again, I'm... Ed did something that's very hard to do, which is like he had to be a, a, a he had to be convincingly like a somebody who's capable of this. Mm-hmm. But but then but then all the talking he's doing has to be very charming. Mm-hmm. You know, in my recollection, we were just you know for two episodes, it's like really on a razor's edge, trying not to tip our hats too much. Mm-hmm. And 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 in that scene, I think maybe more than any other, it was you know. I think we both in that scene, we were like, you know, it was, a, it was a work in progress. I watched it a second time with my dad. And I will say that when Reese was like in the apartment waiting, my dad was like, he didn't figure it out, but he knew that that was wrong. Mm-hmm. Like he was like, how did he get in? They're not even going to explain it. They're not even going to try to explain how he's just waiting for yeah, him in right, his apartment. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, they did actually, because I rewatched it. Mm. Maybe it wasn't the first time he came in, but they, that was a breadcrumb we noticed was that Reese could kind of come and go as he pleased into Joe's place. Mm-hmm. Um, but he says, growing up in council apartments, council flats, you learn, you how, learn to how to pick locks. Oh, That's right, he yeah, does. Yeah, yeah, there's always a nice. Yeah. yeah, there you go. There you go. Also, I really feel like we should have Tommy on here. We should, we need to, to bring like, him. We should we be need like, to bring him on. We should have had him in this episode. Yeah, we, no, really, really. Yeah. Should I call him, tell him to come over? Let's do another bonus, a bonus <laughs> okay. bonus with yeah. Tommy. Yeah. yeah. Actually, my dad's commentary during the show is very hilarious. I'm I sure should, it's I so him. good. Yeah. Okay, another clue is that the key to the um, bomb shelter cage area is in the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde book, which is sort of like a nod to Joe having two personalities this season. That's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. That was a good one. Yeah. yeah. I totally missed that. And then you put that on this list and I rewatched and I was like, oh my God, how did she catch this? It was so quick. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you're good. You're good at that. Thanks. Um, 
And then there was Phoebe Stalker being an er- erotomaniac, erotomaniac. How do you say erotomaniac, that? Erotomaniac, I think. Erotomaniac. Um, I remember when I watched that episode, I like watched that episode and then took a few days to finish the rest of the part two. And I texted Nava and I said how much I loved that twist of her or that that plot point of her stalker kind of being obsessed with her through the TV and that commentary on social media. And Nava was just very quiet. And she was like, "Mm -hmm." are you talking about the waiter? (laughs) I couldn't figure out why she was being so cagey. He's like, Joe's also an erotomaniac. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Cool marrying. Okay, my favorite plot twist, not plot twist, my favorite breadcrumb is that in episode five, they show Joe committing all the murders exactly the way he actually committed them. They actually do, yeah, right. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. And what's the context again? It's when Rold has him and he's like, here's oh, he's your eat the reach it, and killer. And then you see it. And he's explaining And they're seeing it, but it's sort of like you think it's a projection of Rold's uh-huh, mind. Uh-huh. No, but, but you're actually, actually watching Joe kill everyone yeah. in the exact manner that he kills them. Yeah, I think is, that's brilliant. Yeah, no, no. This is actually where I think like it so pays off in part two in ways that you really don't anticipate because you don't realize how many more twists are coming yeah. and you know and that that is to me the the possible well, i shouldn't say shame but it's just like I, to me i i just i shame I, netflix again do I, it Pat. yeah yeah <laughs> netflix uh, i'm gonna need a job after this show ends so but wait i have another question for you so in episode eight which we'll get into later my favorite episode from the whole you canon yeah, eight and nine me tied for me, me. but eight just brilliant blew my mind in episode eight, it's the only time in the whole series that we've ever seen the opening credits be different. It's like a pencil drawing, and I think we're given to think that it's Marianne drawing it, right? Because she's an artist. She uses pencil. Um, and then the whole episode is narrated from her point of view, and she's talking to her daughter. But we think it's like – we think it's Marianne's imagination sort of trying to – Uh, give herself some relief from the horrible situation that she's in. But then later we find out that she is alive and that she is returned to her daughter. So I'm wondering, did she tell her daughter that fairy tale? Were we just seeing it? Yeah, that's what I think. Oh, that's 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 so cool. That just actually gave me little goosebumps. That's 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 really cool. That's sort of what I think. I mean, I don't know. Okay, I just freaked out about it earlier, but episode eight and nine, so good. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about them. I don't have a question. I just want you to talk about them, how it felt for you to perform them, because they really do stand out. Mm-hmm. Eight does something really special. We Eight never, is very much the most. We never get inside the female protagonist's head what it's yeah. like to be in the cage. They finally, after four seasons, it's the yeah. fourth season, and that's, like, remarkable. Uh, there's just so much about that episode that's really special, and I want to know for you, like, on set, sort of a huge part of it, what was it like? We have had the female perspective before in, you know, there's a— Beck got her her bit in the cage with voiceover. Um, Love didn't have time in the cage as much as she had her 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 perspective, and then like her bits with with forty. Mm-hmm. So that's always something that they've been doing a, a bit of. It's mm-hmm. like it's always this nice tip, tipping the hat towards mm-hmm. a different perspective, but they can never quite do it in the way that they've now done. Mm-hmm. And so and so something about episode eight. And so the first time I saw it, by the way, was when I was doing ADR, which is additional dialogue recording. Mm-hmm. Um, after I'd done, like, recording some of the voiceover for, like, the last couple of episodes, I then had to do some for bits of Joe when she's seeing him or something. I had to be doing, like, the the creepy Joe, like, asking her, like, when she's getting out of the box. When he's mm-hmm. taking her out of the box to put her in the cage, like and he's that. like, hey, 
how you doing, buddy? That kind of thing. Like I had to be doing that. And so that was when I saw all that cut together for the first time. Mm. And because I wasn't in that stuff and because I had to be prepping for the next episode and because it's just an overall, just all-consuming role, I actually had only read the script for that stuff with her, I think I think once, maybe mm. twice. So I wasn't focusing on it. It wasn't, wasn't my job. Um, so I actually wasn't really fully appreciating what was happening, to be mm. honest. Mm. Uh and then when I saw it cut together, I was just like, that's the whole point of this show. Yeah. We've been the entire totally. series, because he's such an unreliable narrator, because he's ultimately like all the things that I say about him in press, and we, we know that, but we watch, it, 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 it has to have always been, in order for it to be what it is, which is continuing to succeed in a good mm-hmm. show, like... I think it always had to be leading to some kind of like authentic we are not seeing from Joe's perspective. Mm-hmm. And we got it in a way that I just don't think we ever thought we were going to get it. Like yeah. it just it's just it's something yeah. about it just hit me as so like I was like, "Oh, wow." Mm-hmm. And Tati's performance is amazing. It's the performance of her career. Right. And I and I yeah. and I wasn't there for any of that. So like I just all of it it was actually really lovely. It was so nice mm-hmm. for me as Joe. I mean, think about it. I'm always doing that. I'm yeah. always doing yeah. all of it. Like yeah, I'm yeah, always yeah. like there. You just get to watch it. And I was able to watch it and I was like that is so good. Yeah. That is so like just refreshing and 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 poignant and yeah. meaningful and it to me it just in a moment cast retroactively the rest of the series backwards in time mm-hmm. in a new light. I just, I love it. Am I correct in saying that there's no voiceover from you? There's no voiceover from Joe in that it's episode? It's probably true. I'm not sure. I don't I, think there no, is. No, 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 no. In the episode is probably not true because in, it, it, it's with her for what, about half the episode or maybe the okay. first 20 minutes or something. I thought it was her the whole episode. But at least all of those so. scenes yeah. with with Marianne, yeah. her storyline, There's we don't hear from you at all. We only hear from her. And I found actually how that made me feel as a viewer Better. towards Joe. It, well, it, what was so interesting is I realized that when we do get inside your head, when we hear your thoughts, no matter what you're doing, you are still charming. Mm. Like it's mm. still, there's still a little part of you that is forgiving yeah. Joe. But when we don't, when mm. we, and I see, we saw you at the table with Marianne and you're mm. watching Reese on the, on the mm-hmm. screen. Also, I'm sure it has to do with your acting in that episode too. Probably not. <laughs> but you were just, I just wanted, like, I, I hated you a lot more mm. in that, in those scenes. When she I got wasn't catharsis your- for everything that's been building up <laughs> over the last two years. <laughs> I just thought that was so interesting. I'm like, oh, I hate really Pat- don't <laughs> <laughs> No, it's true. You're odious in that episode. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, episode eight is so interesting because it's both, I think it's both like, in this season, a return to the you that we're familiar with and a departure from things that have been established in you. Like, it's established that um, the female lead will always have a moment where she's charmed by Joe and then the veil is lifted, but Marianne is in this season the whole time knowing who Joe is, which is, like, an interesting perspective to see how things unfold. Um, And sort of the biggest shift in this season is that Joe's mentee is on to him, and that's never happened before. Mm. And then the season plays out, and we'll get into that, where he harms his mentee, and he's never done that before. So I thought that was really sort of like setting the ground for what he's going to do to Nadia begins in episode eight, and that's really interesting. It's like the show took some departures. It did, yeah. I mean, again, I yeah. think, like, this is where this is where part two pays off. You made it. You made it. <laughs> you got you there. earned it. How's it feel? <laughs> well, Penn, you directed episode nine yes. of the show, right? Another great Incredible episode. 
And in this episode, we get to see all of your previous, all of the previous female leads from you. Yeah. And you have a moment with them. Well, <clears throat> not all of them, but which I can tell you in a moment, there's a little bit of a nice little nod to another one we, we weren't able to get because, because of a scheduling conflict. But, oh, okay. but sorry, finish your question. So I was just wondering what that was like to direct your previous female yeah. leads. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience with that episode? I mean, it, 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 it was just what you would think. Like it, there was a, there, it was poignant because like, you know, both Elizabeth and Victoria flew in. They were there for such a hot second. It was mm-hmm. so quick. Um, and because I was directing everything else, like there was no time to really even bask and enjoy it. It was just like, yeah. Um, Were they there at the same time? Did Victoria and Beck meet? I don't think so. Victoria, Victoria and Elizabeth. And I never call her Elizabeth. <laughs> Did Victoria and Elizabeth meet? Um, I don't believe so. Okay. I wonder if they have. Mm. I don't know if they've met. Mm. But um, yeah, so it was just, it was, it, I mean, I think particularly in the cage with Victoria, it was just like, well, this is where the show ultimately works best Mm -hmm. now the caveat to that is actually that the show i think works best this season in the cage without joe Mm. you know so Mm -hmm. that's cool i think it's like you have season one um and i know this isn't entirely an answer to your question but i'm just Mm -hmm. taking it because it's it is it's an appreciation of what the series actually does it's it's in a way, you could never repeat season one. Season one, mm-hmm. season one is not really meant to be repeated. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, yeah. it, it's just it's you're never going to be able to do that arc again. And so then, then, then the answer in two is to be like, well, we have to bring in someone who's like basically his equal. You know, mm-hmm. we have to bring in somebody who's not going to fit into this mold that you think the show's going to repeat. And so for seasons two and three, we benefited from that and Victoria's performance and love as a character, and it and it actually just continued to elevate the show. <clears throat> so returning to just Joe. I think it I think it then it has to then so really what I think is happening by the way is that is that season 4 is 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 like the episode 8 to season 5 which is like episode 9. I think like there's 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 a does that make sense? So here's, Maybe unpack it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, more. yeah. So 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 what I mean is that season 4 I think is not going to be as rewarding as it will until we've seen should there be one season five? Now, this is mm-hmm. not even, I've, we've not, there's, you know, there's no spoiler here. Like, mm-hmm. we've not shot it. We don't know mm-hmm. that it's happening, but, but I think it will. And I think now we really have done something different every season. Mm-hmm. Now that you can see retroactively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I do believe that season, there's got to be a, a really satisfying mm-hmm. resolution. Con- resolution. Yeah, that makes sense. And resolution more than conclusion. It's yeah. like it, this has to resolve. Mm-hmm. Not for yeah. Joe. It has to resolve for us. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. what have we been doing in this crazy ride this whole yeah. time? Because it is a bit unique in that way. It's like it's yeah. such an intense and crazy show with Joe at the center. And, and Joe has now actually changed. Mm-hmm. He, like he's actually changed. How has he changed? Some people would say that he's embraced his true self, but I think that's not true because because embracing your true self would actually mean something higher like mm-hmm. what he's done is he's succumbed to his lower nature mm-hmm. he's fully succumbed so you he's think he's broken. now like peak evil he's set up to yeah, be peak evil i think so five. and so, so now that everything about the show the same way that part two of, of of season four is so rewarding and makes part one make more sense i mm-hmm. think that's the that's the relationship seasons four and five are gonna have that makes sense that's what yeah. that's yeah no, that i feel like sense. 
you see that he's peak evil in the scene with Nadia where yeah. he tells Nadia, you know, you realize that he, Joe killed yeah. her boyfriend and he's sending her to prison and you realize he has absolutely no heart any mm. longer. Yeah, it is amazing because in the past the mentees have been used to humanize Joe to show that there is this part of him that wants to like take care of a child or nurture a young person's potential you know, protect them, and that's, like, the good that he sees in himself. Yeah. That sort of justifies the bad that he does. Like, he only does bad when he's forced to. But now they completely eliminate that. Mm-hmm. Like, Joe is just evil. Yeah. Like, he will destroy anyone who gets in his path. And we'll be right back. Hi there. It's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. After season one aired, I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. And of course, my 90-year-old mom, Judy. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me Season 2 is out March 27th from Lemonada Media. Hey, Lemonada listeners. We want to hear from you. You know we love our sponsors for a ton of reasons, but one of the main ones is that they help us keep the lights on. And there's a really easy way that you can help us draw new advertisers and hear ads for things you're most interested in. Filling out our quick anonymous survey at lemonadamedia.com slash survey. By just answering a few questions, you can help us find new brands to connect with and also share feedback about show content you'd like to see across the network. And to sweeten the deal, once you've completed the survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Visa gift card. I promise the survey is short and sweet and will help us play ads you don't want to skip and also keep bringing you content you love. Just go to lemonadamedia.com slash survey. Hey, listeners, are you looking to update your wardrobe with items that actually make life suck less? We're here to help. We've got brand new Lemonada merchandise from Add to Cart, In the Bubble, The Interesting, Raised by Ricky, and more at the Lemonada Media online store. From stylish sweatshirts to eco-friendly water bottles, we've worked hard to curate a comprehensive line of actually cool merchandise that will fit seamlessly into your everyday life. Show off your favorite Lemonada podcast, or your favorite lemon logo, in style with t-shirts, tumblers, hats, mugs, and more. Head to our merch store at lemonadamedia.com slash shop to pick up your Lemonada merch today. We spoke with one of your castmates on this season. I don't know if her episode will be out yet, but um, she was telling us a little bit about what it was like to be directed by you. And one of the things she said that was so nice is that because you come from a background of acting, that the notes you give feel either like easier to follow or to take, but you, you know, you're giving them from a place of understanding Mm. being on the other side of it. And I, Nava and I were talking about feedback generally, um, a few days ago. And I was thinking it is always really nice when you get to get, have feedback from somebody who is, who has experience in whatever field mm. they're giving feedback. Right, right, right. Yeah. And you know what I, What you also said in that episode was that you both were like, you were reflecting on how I don't ever give you positive feedback in this show. And <laughs> and, and sure, so part of that is banter, part of that is true. But, 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 um, I'm not going to give you positive feedback. It's because this is not a field I have experience in. Hmm. Now, as an actor, 
<laughs> I don't think that that's a criteria for giving compliments, but no, 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 no we're no, not no. fishing. We're not fishing. What, what, what I'm trying to say is like in, in, in my element, mm-hmm. it's, it's very easy to see what's needed. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's very easy to see, it's very easy to speak to another actor, you know, just yeah. because it's like, it's, it's what I know. It's what I know probably better than, 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 than anything. I mean, you know, I mean, directing television is different from directing film. You are not in the in the driver's seat in the same mm-hmm. way. You are, you are. It's like it. It's like there's two steering wheels, <laughs> and you, and you you are facilitating a process. So it was a forgiving first directorial mm. experience. You know, like I, if prepping an entire series for instance you know being a producing director like that would have been an ent- entirely other lift mm-hmm. but um I, I i did i did love it you know yeah i will say that for anyone who wants more details on pen directing that episode we did talk to you like right after you directed it while you were still in london and there's a long clip on our youtube like a 10 minute clip of you giving some more details about that experience so if you're interested Penn, can you share what I was texting you when I was watching that? Ep- I was like texting him as I was watching the episode. It's probably too self-aggrandizing. I don't, rem- I don't remember what you said. I was like live. No, I mean, I know you were very kind, but like. No, but I, I was remember. like genuinely because, because I had watched the first part. For better or for worse, I like will not like lie. I mean, I tell yeah, white lies sometimes, no, but in general, I try not to lie. <laughs> I'm pretty straightforward. I try to be tactful, but Penn asked me what I thought of the first five. I hadn't seen the second five, and I. I they without the second five they weren't my favorite and mm-hmm. so I was I was like oh how do I tell him this and I didn't know it was gonna get way better so I had like sent some messages around it and then the second half to me was like instantly like just yeah. so gratifying and it made me appreciate the, what the first half was doing and yeah. why, why yeah, exactly, it had some of the exactly. limitations that it had but when I got to episode nine I was like freaking out that Penn directed it because it was so good and I didn't realize until halfway through so then I was just like texting oh, him like right, I was right, like right. were you born to direct like what's <laughs> it was just so amazing to yeah. see him in that role it was well, such a good episode yeah I mean that's very yeah, kind I, was very proud. I, I do think I, I do think that. Um, this, I guess what I was trying to say about direction in, in television is that I don't know where the line between like that, like I, I think a lot of that is because of the writing of the episode. I think a lot of that right. is because in, and it's not just the writing of that episode. It's what's happening in that episode in the arc of the season and in the arc of the series. Yeah. I do think that episode probably eight, nine, ten is my favorite kind of like. Yeah, Runt, yeah, yeah, yeah of maybe great. the whole series. I think. I mean, mm-hmm. eight is definitely my favorite episode of the whole series. Yeah, but then too. maybe what me eight too. nine does is like is like really gratifying. So yeah, I mean, I think I was, I was given a great episode to direct, and I think the you know the one creative stamp that I left on it um, was the dream sequence that I was able to shoot it in a way, and oh my goodness, it was still so hard to finish it in time, and there's there's cuts in it that still really bother me but um hmm. like we just weren't able to get to everything that i'd imagined and oh my goodness it was yeah it was such a so painful you have to do a director's cut of the episode well no it's <laughs> like we literally weren't even able to, to film it. um like for instance that shot of me turning around and seeing victoria uh for the first time mm-hmm. where i have this like borderline totally comical bad expression on my face so i'm like mm-hmm. what's going on <laughs> that that shot <laughs> We had we were ba- we were on borrowed time already. We were way mm-hmm. over. Um, I literally just like after we had done some, 
we'd been sh- we'd shot the whole sequence so many times in so many different angles. I just was like, just move the camera in and just and we shot that in one take and it was so last minute and it but it was such an important shot like we didn't mm. have Joe's reaction to seeing love and it was like because there were so many other important pieces to get to make the dream sequence feel surreal. You know, it's just mm. like all the crane shot over the over the um, cage. There was even like a, there was a, yeah, there was even still stuff cut from it. But anyway, it was, it was flying by the seat of, of my pants and our pants. And, um, and some of the, some of the best moments in that sequence were got, were gotten like totally last minute. Like Mm -hmm. we only had one take. It was just. But I didn't know that Victoria was going to make an appearance in Mm. this season. You didn't give us any spoilers and also yeah. when we debriefed part one you were like i just want to know who thinks love is coming back mm-hmm. i was like oh she's definitely not coming well she's back. well she doesn't you were, like making fun back. no she doesn't come back but she does make an appearance and it i mean because her character is so beloved i think mm-hmm. that's a big yeah. deal that she shows up i was telling naba though that as soon as she showed up on screen you know she obviously she's not real mm-hmm. it's the memory of her i was like I'm so happy, but I'm so sad because I yeah. know it's going to be over mm. in in a minute or two minutes. She still is one of my favorite characters. I had the same reaction. Like, mm. I I really liked seeing Beck. I liked seeing Elizabeth as Beck. Um, but when I saw Love, I felt, like, very sad because I knew it was going to end quickly. Mm. And there's something about Penn and Victoria that is electric together. Like, there's mm. just something that I haven't seen with many other actors. I've seen it a few times. But I haven't seen it with you and any other person on that show. And I did want to ask you, does it feel different when you're doing scenes with Victoria? Because it feels different for the audience. What Victoria uh, does and has as a, as, a, as a person, as a creative person, like as an, as an actor, she's, um, she's exceedingly committed. Mm. And her character is also designed in a way that she simply... Is she's an equal? Beck was never. Yeah, Jack, that's jo, true. Joe and Beck that's were such never. A good point. Joe and Beck were never um, at all aligned. Yeah, it really was Joe. All about Joe. All about yeah, Joe and being like, deception. I'm just gonna. I have yeah. my delusion, mm-hmm. so I'm going to. She was just an object the entire time. Mm-hmm. Like so, there's no real connection. Mm-hmm. The connection was far more along the lines of every other kind of like meet cute you've seen, and just mm-hmm. turning that into like just kind of like jacking up those. Yeah. Yeah, the chemicals, right? Yeah, it's just yeah. like whoa, love thing. Um, and then with, uh, and then frankly, the, the the next one is love. They didn't even yeah. get, you know, Marianne is is to be honest, like she's kind of like okay, we've done the impossible in that we've like given Joe an equal, and mm-hmm. now this like actually we've taken a show about one man and made it about two people. Mm-hmm. So then Marianne is like. She's not even in the, the whole yeah. arc of season no. three. She's yeah. you know, and she's she is also a, a very different character. I think the point is, is that she's love, on to him though, which is cool. Yeah. yeah, I think I think the point is is that love is actually like Joe. Yeah, and she's made to be very smart. You know, yeah. even though Marianne is a, is is intelligent, she's not m- made to be the same way. So actually. What Joe and Love are able to do together is um, actually Joe is able to be more um, like if I'm thinking back to season three, like I was able to do um, more in scenes with Love, I think, because when he's angry with her, like mm. he's the real him is coming through. Like there's yeah. no veil yeah. there. So, that, mm-hmm. so, there, so there's, there's, it's, so as an actor, I actually think the way I'm able to play Joe when he's in a scene with Love is by design different. And then Victoria's 
commitment and talent on top of that mm-hmm. to that role just mm-hmm. unlocks it. And it and it and I honestly think what you also see with Joe a lot is him being exceedingly reserved because he's hiding things. But he can't do that with love in the same way. So therefore, mm-hmm. I'm more present in the scene. I'm yeah. actually thinking less. Mm-hmm. I'm doing more. So I've always enjoyed scenes with her the most because they do give me the most to do. Let's talk about Kate. We we sort of established in part one that she's a new kind of love interest, different in some ways. But I really want to know, I had this question as I watched it, especially the second time. Is Kate evil? Kate is interesting because there's a different side to Joe coming out. So let's so in the world where neither of them are evil and they're both mm-hmm. protagonists, <laughs> like they actually have a friendship. That is different, I think, in quality from the other relationships somehow, right? Like it's like Mm -hmm. somehow it's more of a pure – Yeah, yeah. I'm not really sure how that works, but it is. Mm -hmm. He seems the most himself with her at the end of it. Yeah, Yeah. like himself – well, at the end of it, yeah. So I haven't figured that out. Did she know her dad would kill Adam? Because her dad, Greg Kinnear, implies that she only said what she said in front of him so that he would take the action of having him killed. Yeah. Do you think she did on some level do it for that reason? I actually don't think so. I I don't think so. Her and her father have such a – like they're having a conversation that is totally different from the conversation that you're hearing though. That's true. So yeah. That's true. So you know, so actually yeah. I mean again, turning her into true, really a real person, would that per yeah, that person would be mostly unconsciously trying to get her father to do something about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess yeah. you're right. Yes. Yeah. Okay, do we think that she suspects that Joe killed Tom? I think she must. I think she must. I mean, mm-hmm. that 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 was always unclear to me as well. Okay. And then my final question on this line. In the scene in the hospital where he's like, I'm going to tell you everything. Let's start with my name. I'm Joe Goldberg. Does Joe tell her everything? That is also something that the writers are going to have to specifically decide because mm-hmm. it really does change the trajectory of the next season. I think he withholds as much as possible unless he's asked directly because that every bit of information that is revealed gives you more time and story to, mm-hmm. you know, to, to use. So, mm. mm-hmm. but I don't know. I mean, again, it, it's funny. Sometimes as an actor, you really don't need to know these things. You just, yeah. ha- you just really have to be playing the moment. Yeah. So Kate says to Joe many times, she doesn't want to know about his past. There are times when he's like starts to tell her or he's not going to tell her, but he's just telling her, mm. I have a past, I've done bad things. And she tells him again and again, she doesn't care. And part of the reason is because she herself has a past that she's not proud of and she doesn't want to get into that and she doesn't want to be defined by her past. And so she gives that to Joe as well. And I wonder what you guys think about that concept if we bring it into the real world. Like, is there value in turning a blind eye from the past of a partner? That's a really good question. I I think it's very contextual, Mm -hmm. right? Because like overlooking the faults of others for the sake of actual love um, makes a lot of... Well, because you actually are... You need to do that to have a successful mm-hmm. relationship, period. Like, yeah. you know, um, that seems to be a part of love. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems to be. Like, you need to overlook the faults of others because everybody's got faults. At what? But where do we draw the line? Yeah. I think you should pay attention to patterns. Like if someone, we all have one-offs, like things we've done that we're like, I can't believe I did yeah. that, and you you never do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all have those. <laughs> but then there's also like we have patterns. And so I think like if someone has a pattern of infidelity and fidelity is important to you, I don't think you should overlook that. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Yeah, that's a great um, way to put it. So, yeah, I, I think that's my answer. Yeah, is, is it a pattern or is it like a mistake that someone made in the past that you're just like using to like bludgeon them or like, you know, not even give them a shot when we've all made mistakes? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. This is tricky. I don't know if you should go digging into people's past. Like, I think if I the information is available to you, mm-hmm. use it. Like, make an informed decision, but mm-hmm. don't, like, go digging into someone's past. I yeah, think. I actually really agree with everything you just said. I think those are the right discernments to make. I do think in a situation like Kate and Joe's, if mm-hmm. we're not talking about murder, if someone is telling you, like, I have a past mm-hmm. and they're not getting into it, I do think in that case it's worth digging into. Yeah, yeah, like, can you say more? (laughs) Yeah, because I I think you should overlook the faults of others, but how can you do that if you you don't don't see them? Yeah, Mm -hmm. if you don't know what actually happened, you know, and you have a frank conversation about it and and what's happened since then and how how a person has grown, how they've Mm -hmm. made certain choices since then to avoid that or, yeah, I think it's important not to ignore a person's Mm -hmm. past. Yeah. Because also, like, if you just want to have a functional relationship, you're going to need to understand how their past informs the way they're, they are yes, now. Exactly. And, and, you know, it is, it is not digging, but it's, I think a responsible partner and a mature partner would, be, would it say something along the lines of, like, okay, you know, if we're going to go any further, I need to, I, I need to know what's informing, like, yeah. your pattern. Like, I need, mm-hmm, to, I need yeah. to, you know, like you can't hide yeah. that from, from me. This is only tangentially related, but I've heard Jennifer Lopez say that, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was giving her advice when she was going to get married to a previous partner and just for people tracking the timeline. And um, she told her, like, when you marry someone, sometimes it's good to just be a little blind. Hmm. Like, just, like, don't notice. Don't notice some of the things. Like, hmm. don't make it an issue, which I thought was interesting advice. Interesting. I All do- conversations. Yeah. Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a real thing? That yeah. No, that is a real thing. Wow. Yeah. I, I that was the advice like she gave been, her. Sometimes I it's have... good to be a little blind. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Disagree. I don't yeah. totally disagree. I don't think that's like a crazy thought. No, no. I, I when I heard it, I was like, I think that makes sense. Like once you're already married to the person, like yeah. don't dwell on those Commit things. Commit and yeah, you yeah. Will a, figure it out yeah. together. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, again, it's contextual. It's yeah. like, what are you blind to? Yeah. Because yeah. like, it's yeah. totally contextual. Yes, yeah, totally. It has to be just little. The context tiny has things. to be like, Ruth the way they unload the dishwasher is annoying, <laughs> yeah, <right>. but you <laughs> just <laughs> stick around. We'll be right back. Last Day is a show about the moments that change us. I just don't think I will ever get used to this. I'm Stephanie Whittles-Wax, and I have had one of these moments. We all have. So let's unpack the chaos that is our human existence together. I don't believe things happen for a reason. I don't believe the universe has a plan. Each week, I sit down with a new guest to explore happy, sad stories of transformation. It's leaning far, far into the pain. That's what it is. Listen to Last Day wherever you get your podcasts. Can't get enough of your favorite Lemonada Media podcasts? By subscribing to Lemonada Premium today, you'll gain access to fun and inspiring bonus content from all of our podcasts across the Lemonada Media network. As a subscriber, you can listen to never-before-heard interview excerpts, behind-the-scenes segments, and continue to uncover new ways to make life suck less through all of our exclusive subscriber audio. Check out a free trial of Lemonada Premium today in the Apple Podcast app by clicking on our podcast logo and then the subscribe button. Okay, you probably can't answer this, but I was wondering if there's a final breadcrumb for Joe's trajectory in season five. So he said, Joe says that Montrose has made some mistakes, but everyone wants him to run for political office. This is kind of early on in part one. And then Joe says, he oh. inspires me. Oh, right. So my question is, is Joe going to run for political office in season five? 
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I can't. I can't say. I, I don't. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, but it, it it certainly is interesting and tracks with like themes that are being explored. But I, you know, if they yeah. haven't thought about that or made that decision, they should. Like I mean, that would be yeah, such yeah. a good. It's so good. Such a yeah, good yeah, yeah, arena yeah. for a show. It's true, and a, and a great arena to surround him with douchebags. Well, I can tell you that that the the way that uh, a climactic sort of series finale has been pitched to me is that it it it's uh, it tracks with with something along the lines of what you're saying in in that in that um, all the um, arenas that that Joe was sort of barred from, which made him uh, which gave him the ability to justify all of his. Mm-hmm sort of his hatred, frankly. Like, yeah. oh, I'm not allowed into this mm-hmm. space. I'm not allowed into this space. <laughs> Basically, all of those barriers are going to fall down, mm. I, I think. And, yeah. and, and so then you have a person who can no longer justify the, the way he was justifying his, his, uh, his, his violence and his, you know. And so then you have somebody who's forced to confront themselves in, in I suppose, really a different way than they ever have before. And so that's, I'm looking forward to it. This has been a really enjoyable breakdown of part two. I just want to ask you a final question. If you were keeping up with any of sort of the fan comments, what was your favorite inaccurate theory of what was happening in season four? (laughs) Sort of like a a plot twist that was wrong. I don't remember who said it. You might have even said it or you might have told me about the comment and I thought it was like, what? Joe has a brother. That wasn't me. That wasn't you guys. Okay, so no. I was in an interview and somebody was like, oh, yeah, it's Joe's brother. And I was like, Joe's brother? That sounds so silly. Mm. Guys, Joe has a half-brother. He does? In the, so in the flashback, as far, so if this person, I mean, I think they're right. Mm-hmm. When he sees his mom oh, yeah. and she's like with another baby, Yeah, that's has her like baby, seat, right? So Joe has a half-brother. So at some point I heard somebody say that. And again, at first I thought it was like such a kind of like... Silly. Yeah, silly sounding idea. It was like, oh, it's like epic soap. Yeah. Then I realized he does have a half brother. Stay tuned. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thanks, Penn. Thanks, Penn. This is really enjoyable. It feels like a not satisfying final question. What's a good final question? What was Joe like when he was... If Joe could go back to his 12-year-old <laughs> self, what we would he... That, yeah. Did we do that? We did that the first yeah. one. He would stab him. Stab him. Yeah. Stitcher. Hola, amigos. It's Chef Jose Andres. I am a cook and someone that passionately believes complex problems often have very simple solutions, like sitting down together and sharing our stories. Now, guess what? I have a podcast, Longer Tables, where I do just that. Each episode features brilliant people like Stacey Abrams, Ron Howard, and Jane Goodall, talking about food, life, and everything in between. Listen to Longer Tables, Whatever you get, podcast.